Hi, welcome back to another episode of Real World Serverless, where I speak with real world practitioners and get their stories from the trenches. Today, I'm joined by Marcelo Olivas, who's the CTO at Tict. Hey, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you for having me, Yang. Appreciate you doing this. And yeah, thank you for the time for taking the time to talk to us. So to get us started, can you tell us a bit about uh, you know your journey to Serverless and uh, uh, who is Tict? What do you guys do there? Yeah, absolutely. So my journey to, to serverless, um, you know, I, I started like about, I would say three, maybe maybe four years ago, where, um, you know, I was working at a, at a company that got acquired by a big company, and we were doing a lot of Kubernetes stuff. And at that moment in time, because when, when we got absorbed by the big company, uh, uh, compliance didn't, didn't allow any type of uh, Docker or any type of Kubernetes, but they did allow any anything that was related to to cloud formation or any anything like that so uh you know it was a big change for us so one of the things that that we wanted to make sure that we end up doing is see if we can leverage uh a lot of the stuff that we end doing all the services but you know we didn't want to deal with like the whole architecture so that's when we stumbled upon you know serverless and and, and the serverless framework the serverless framework was great because it was allowing me to create all these uh, applications um, using CloudFormation and all the resources that, that it has available. So like that, that's how we started it. But initially it was just uh, because, of, uh, because of the fact that we just needed something in CloudFormation. Tell us a bit about uh, Tict. What is Tict? What do you guys do there? So Tict is a software as a service for, for citations. We cover uh, you know different type of citations, whether it's parking, cameras, and tolls, and we have different integrations all, all over the United States. And currently, we are, have two products. One of them is kind of like a, a an on-demand product, and another one is a subscription. So, subscription will work great for like big fleets. Just imagine something like DHL or Amazon Prime, where they have a big fleet and they just need to find out if there are any citations on those vehicles. Like that, they have Avoid, you know, like, um, you know, lay fees or even, you know, getting the, those vehicles towed. And the other one is, like I say, it's on demand. And this is specifically great for, for uh, companies that are doing any type of rental. So say, for example, if you end up renting a vehicle and, you know, you, you reserve it for like about a week. Uh, at the same time, we want to make sure that we scan uh, during that time, that during that interval time to see if there's any citations. And if, if there are any citations, then we contact you to see if you can pay that citation. So that's that's what we do in Tict. So was the Tict platform built with serverless from the ground up? Absolutely, yeah. Tict is 100% uh, serverless. We don't have any type of applications running at all. Uh, everything is serverless. And we did it with the purpose of like just making sure that we move extremely quick and at the same time, uh, we reduce the amount of uh, maintenance that we end up doing in the platform. So yeah, it's 100% serverless. So that's great. And uh, so with serverless being a really big departure from how you know we are used to building software, what has been the most challenging adaptation for you uh, so far? I think the biggest adaptation uh, or maybe learning curve that we have is is the fact that you know, you have to automatically start thinking more asynchronous and more reactive. And because of that, it's, it's, a, different, it's a different paradigm, right? 
I think that the, the fact is that serverless automatically put you in the path of, of thinking about microservices, thinking about you know short time live uh, functions, and at the same time reactive functions. So I think that that has been the biggest learning curve, especially from you know uh, junior and um, mid-level developers that they don't have a, a good grasp on those on those uh, subject matter. So as you build this brand new platform with this brand new technology, forcing you to think about microservices and event-driven architectures, uh, has there been anything that hasn't just quite worked out that you thought, okay, now this should be a lot simpler. Why is this so difficult? Yeah, I think that the biggest challenge that we're having right now is, is, is integration tests. I think just like you mentioned, especially right now that we have an event store, you know, having, having, having this integration test or end-to-end -end test uh, is very difficult, especially when you have an event-driven uh, architecture, like you mentioned. You know, it's uh, time and time again, you know, the guys are telling me like, oh, you know, or tests are failing because, you know, we haven't gotten the results in the event store. So those are the things that I believe that uh, it's, it's not that it's a pain right now, but I think later on it's going to get better, especially in the, the testing side as, and as well as the event-driven it's funny that you mentioned the testing side of things because that's something I've heard quite a lot of people talk about it being a struggle. Um, so with that in mind, would you do you design your applications differently to make them more testable? Uh, is there anything that you're doing that's you know, different to how you used to do things just so that you can test your system better when they are in serverless? Yeah, for sure. One of the things that I really like about your classes is the fact that you end up introducing the return on investment that you end up getting, especially for, for uh, you know, uh, uh, when it comes to end-to-end -to -end, uh, int integrations and then unit testing, right? Yeah, the higher level that you go, uh, the more return on investment. So therefore, if you do an end-to-end test, you end up getting a, a higher return on investment rather than, than say, for example, unit tests. So one of the things that I always tell my developers is, you know, let's focus first on the end-to-end -end test. Uh, most of the time, back in the days, uh, a lot of the developers used to just think about the, the unit tests. I'm not saying that unit tests are not important, but I try to let them know and emphasize the fact that if we end up having a better grasp with end-to-end -end tests, uh, the quality of a product will be a lot higher. So that's something that I, I emphasize, not only to my developers, but also in the code reviews. Okay, so maybe can you tell us some of the things, the specific feature that you've built with serverless that makes you think, oh wow, okay, now I would never have done this so quickly uh, if I was building this with EC2 instances or with containers. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many, many, many things that we can say that. Uh, for starters, you know, like the, <laughs> I, I, I remember going in a meeting uh, when, when we first started Tick, and my co-founder and I, we went to a meeting in LA and we didn't have a product at that moment in time, but one of the customers says, if, we, if you can find a solution to be able to do this and you can present it over to me, um, you know, I can, I, can totally, I can totally give you my entire fleet. And that was in LA, so we're in Miami, so that flight, from LA to Miami, uh, I was able to connect to the internet and I was able to get a prototype uh, working all in serverless uh, within a couple of hours. 
and and it was functioning. It was by the time that I landed in Miami, I was able to just develop a prototype for our customer. And that was to me that was that, that's when I knew that we would never go back to anything else. Yeah, I always love to hear these kind of stories of how <laughs> how how it really helps people accelerate and, and uh, get things going. So, if, do you have any advice to people who are building a startup and they're thinking about serverless, or maybe they have already started? What are some of the advice you would have for someone, you know, maybe even a younger version of yourself that you know today that you wish you knew three years ago? Yeah, I think the one thing that I always tell people is that is the maintenance part. A lot of people just get complacent with the fact that, you know, I, I already uh, know, um, you know, Docker. I, I, I invested so much time learning Docker. I also invested a lot of time learning this other tool called Kubernetes, or maybe you, I just put a lot of effort and time into Istio and, and Kubernetes. And one of the things that I keep telling people is that they always tend to forget the cost around maintenance. Uh, you know, maintenance is not just around the, the cost of the resources, but it's maintaining and caring for, for, for that particular infrastructure. That is something that a lot of people don't, don't, don't put very emphasis. So one of the things that I always tell people is, you know what, just give it a shot, especially for any green project. Try to see if you can end up doing something with, uh, with, with serverless. Just start off and see if, there, uh, if, you, if you can just do that and just... Um, just do a, a kind of like a small little prototype for maybe like about a month and see how you like it. Most of the time that people end up doing that, they really, really like that. The other thing that I always tell people is that uh, this is clearly not a silver bullet, but it's also uh, a good, um, you know, a good use case for a lot of things. Uh, and, and that's something that I always mention that to everyone. I think that is, yeah, that, that's a good point about uh, the, the sunk cost fallacy that you know, we've invested so much time into learning containers and all of that. And now we have to learn another thing. And also, I mean, serverless is great, but there are certain things you could do better yourself with containers with a lot more effort, uh, whereas uh, it's almost you no, know, it's much difficult to do with a black box like you know, Lambda. Uh, but at the same time, for the vast majority of people, you probably just don't need some of the extra you know, bells and whistles that comes with you know, stuff that you have to build and maintain and run yourself. There's a massive cost of over cost overhead there. And I think another another common mistake I see people when they consider the cost of your application uh, is that they only look at the AWS build and they see, okay, well, with Lambda at you know, some hundreds of uh, requests per second, it's actually more expensive to run them on Lambda versus to just put a container out there and run your application on that. But then you're not really thinking about the fact that, okay, you've got to run this you know, scalable uh, containerized application. You need to have people with the experience to run that and do it well and to be able to you know, deal with issues. And the fact that if you want to run multi-AZ, you're not running one container, you're running at least three. And if you do multi-region, then you're running 12 containers, even in four regions, right? So all of a sudden your costs start to you know, wrap up pretty quickly. And when you consider that you need to have expertise and to hire people to look after your containerized environment and to 
build your Kubernetes cluster and maintain that. I mean, that is way more expensive compared to just using Lambda and pay, I don't know, $500 per month extra compared to what you pay for containers. But you're going to save so much more in terms of not having to hire those specialist skills into your team until such a point that you need someone who's more specialized and be able to take you to the next level. Especially for startups, uh, some of that cost, cost uh, trade-off between infrastructure versus engineering is, is, is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the cost is incredibly big. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't think about that. And I think, like I said, I feel like a lot of people end up becoming becoming enamored just because of the fact that you already know your tool, right? Or there's a there's a big community around it or there's a big hype about it. The other thing that I will say is that, you know, even though we have really large customers, really big customers, and, and we have, you know, a large fleet, uh, you know, uh, we are over, you know, 15,000 um, vehicles right now that we monitor, just a big, big, big fleet. And we do monitor that, you know, on an everyday basis. Uh, our whole team is composed of five composed of five people, so that is extremely low. Uh, doing you know all type of integrations, not only with our customers, but also with all the uh, all, all the all, all the different providers that we have. Uh, the other thing that I really end up enjoying is the fact that, and this is I know that this is something that a lot of people end up talking to me, is the fact that they feel that I am locked in, right? I'm unlocked in with my provider. And I always tell people that that is not a bad thing. Just to give you an idea, right, just really quick. Uh, the other day, one of the things that we end up having is we end up having a, one of our biggest customer end up getting a huge amount of citation in paper. So one of the things that uh, we end up providing uh, is one of those, uh, I don't know, have you used uh, the uh, SFTP uh, transfer that is used by, by AWS? Uh, is, is that the one with S3? The, the SFTP. This SFTP transfer uh, uh, service that that AWS has. Okay, no, I haven't used it. Well, so just to give you an idea, we created a a, a service, an SFTP service provided by AWS, uh, and then at the same time, they're able to not only uh, you know use the SFTP to upload all those images or scan uh, images of citation, but then we can then use end up using text text extract to basically get all the text from all the citations, put them into our database and be able to just associate, you know, like the, the partners as well as, you know, the, the issue date, the cost, and even to find out if that citation belongs to a particular renter. So again, you know, the fact is that, and we did that in less than, than, than a day, you know, just because of the fact that we try to leverage, you know, the, the provider services and the only thing that we do with serverless is basically just kind of like the glue uh, for, for you know, like the, the, the or, or particular business uh, flow and, and leveraging the services that they have. So we try to avoid recreating the wheel. So I don't think locked in is a, is a bad thing. Yeah, the, the other side, the other, I guess the other side of the coin for this uh, lock-in, well, I hate the term lock-in uh, because you never really lock-in anyway. There's always a way out. Uh, it's, it's more of a question of the, the, the amount of coupling you incur uh, and therefore the cost of moving. But the other side of that coin is that you know, the more coupled you are, uh, that means that the more 
value you're able to extract from the provider because they're going to do way more for you. And any technology choice that you make, you are essentially creating coupling you know, to Node.js, to uh, Express Framework. I've, I've seen companies spend two years trying to get out of a web framework because all their code is so interweave into the framework, they can't extract any of the business logic out of it. So, uh, And also, you're also just getting locked in, uh, if you like, uh, with the expertise you have in the team as well, right? So if you've got the containerized environment, you are coupled to having those skills. And if you're using private cloud provider, you're locked into the, the skills that they offer you as well. Um, so also, oh, I don't know, this whole lock-in argument just drives me nuts. <laughs> um, so I know, I know. And so, I mean, all these things that AWS gives us, you know, serverless give, you, give us is great, but uh, are there any sort of platform limitations or tooling challenges that you find, you know, you're you constantly bumping into on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, um, I wish I can say that, but the one thing that I, I always tell people is that whenever I end up, using, I end up using any type of open source, I always look into the community. And that's something that I really like about the serverless community. Uh, I have ended up having some challenges, but nothing has been completely affected. In other words, the community usually uh, helps me out, whether it's finding a workaround or being able to uh, being able to find a solution. So nothing big, major. Uh, we do end up stumbling on some problems, uh, but nothing big even like i said one of my biggest pet peeves right now is the fact of the testing uh and that's that's the only thing that we've been having but nothing major okay uh sounds like you're a very happy AWS customer um <laughs> <laughs> which is good to hear um, uh but yeah uh, so with that said do you have any sort of AWS uh, uh wish list item that you no know, maybe new features or new services that you wish that they would build you know they they now that I can think of uh, right at the moment, because I, you know, it's, I, I wish I could say that, that there's one thing, um, because I, I believe that they're, they're, they're getting themselves in, in there. Uh, I mean, it's definitely easier. I mean, for us, like I said, most of the stuff that we end up doing is, is software as a service. So I, we do end up leveraging a lot of integration. So all of that is, is being very well uh, done. The one thing that I probably will ask is again on you know the testing the testing locally. That will be that will be something that we would love to have and would love to receive or being able to end up doing a little bit better testing with uh, with with the end to end. I think that will be that will be really good. Okay, that's uh, that, that's great. Uh, I hope uh, someone from AWS is listening and uh, taking notes. Well, before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listener, maybe about yourself, anything you're working on, maybe tech is hiring. Yeah, right now, because of the whole pandemic, obviously things are challenging and there's a lot of uh, unknowns. But um, at the very beginning, you know, we're still working with a lot of people. We still, uh, you know, we, we did have a couple of a couple of positions available at the very beginning. Right now, we end, uh, we, we, we basically end up setting the, the pause button on those. But we are, we, at the moment that I think that the pandemic ended up, uh, you know, finalizing, uh, we're probably going to end up rehiring people. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, we may, we manage a large amount of customers, big customers, and uh, you know we're growing we're growing tremendously. One of the things that we're trying to do is expand internationally. Some of my customers they want us to go uh, to uh, Canada, 
uh, also UK. Uh, I know that's where you are, Jan, and also France. So that's something that those are other markets that we're looking into very carefully. Okay, and uh, how can people find you on the internet, uh, on Twitter, on social media, uh, or maybe do you have a blog? Yeah, so you can always find me at, uh, in LinkedIn, Marcelo Livas, or you can reach me at Marcelo, M-A-R-C-E-L-O, at TICT, and that's at T-I-K-D.com. You can always reach me there. Um, I'm also in LinkedIn and Twitter, MF Olivas, that's my Twitter handle. Okay, great. I will leave those information in the show notes. And uh, once again, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And uh, no, stay safe, stay home. <laughs> Take care. Yes, we do. You too, Jan. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. So that's it for another episode of Real World Serverless. To access the show notes, please go to realworldserverless.com. If you want to learn how to build production-ready serverless applications, please check out my upcoming courses at productionreadyserverless.com. And I'll see you guys next time.